You are now tuned in to Behind the Confidence Smile, the podcast, where we talk about what's behind your smile. No longer suffering in silence and truly walking in your purpose daily. I am your host, Bianca Cotton, wife, mom, author, poet, speaker, and hope dealer. I am on a journey to help women walk in love, live in hope, and be healed from past hurts. Join me on this journey of revealing what's behind your smile. We have special guests, some poetry, and inspiration. Now let's start the show. Hello, everyone. I am here with what you call those people, uh, a mogul, <laughs> Kalila Watkins, y'all. Okay. Uh, she is a vibrant, beautiful, vivacious woman uh, who owns the Social Loft uh, Boutique social media management agency that creates and manages content for people and brands in the arts, music, and entertainment. So if y'all need her, come find her. She's a wife of almost six years to her high school sweetheart, Jacob, and mother to two beautiful daughters, Eden, Naomi, and Ani Rain. Um, she has spent years as a worship leader for ministries in Chicago, St. Louis, and Washington, D.C., her passions intersect between music, performing arts, and Black maternal health care. Y'all, she had a home birth for her youngest daughter. We're going to make sure we hear about that, okay? Uh, <laughs> she uh, advocates for home births. To, uh, she took many of her traumatic experiences with birth and eating, which is her first daughter, to change the way she views pregnancy, fertility, women's health, our rights, and birth. And so don't we need that more than ever now? Oh, my God. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Bianca. Hey. So you know you I already had the questions beforehand and um, we talked via email just about what's behind your smile and you mentioned something that I don't often hear women admit to and so really want to dig into how you talked about um, self-sabotage and uncertainty a lot of that is behind your smile. And so I want to dig right into that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Again, thank you um, for inviting me into this space. I love having conversations. I'm an open book. So this was right up my alley. Thank you. Thank you again. Um, so in terms of behind the smile of Kalila, I oftentimes hear uh, family members or friends say that they don't believe um, how uncertain I feel when we're talking about uh, purpose and what you feel that you may be called to do. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on, 
you know, purpose and what is God calling you to do? What should you do for the rest of your life? And so um, what many people don't know is that for nine, almost 10 years, I've worked full time in education as um, a college counselor. So I am every day assisting ninth through 12th grade students and helping them um, navigate the post-secondary process and what does that look like for them. And so in these daily, weekly, monthly, yearly conversations now, I recognize that since um, 2011, I have had to put on the face as if I know how to navigate someone else's calling or their purpose or their life decisions. And in doing so, I realize it's kind of foolish to expect an 18-year-old to make one huge decision and put so much pressure on a kid. I mean, you know, 18 is legal in terms of adulthood, but you're still a kid in terms of responsibility and, and the experience of making these big decisions. Um, I keep having these conversations with my own students and it's helped me to realize one, what I don't wanna spend the rest of my life doing, but two, that I have a lot of uncertainty. And so the self-sabotage that coincides with my full-time role um, comes into play as an entrepreneur. So not only do I work, um, you know, we all be doing way too much. <laughs> not only do I have a full-time job, I am also responsible for managing the online presence, the social media presence and um, pages for various brands, not just in arts, music, and entertainment, but uh, nonprofits and um, some ministries, churches. I've mm. kind of had my hands in social media management for different entities. And so I saw or really recognized self-sabotage. It didn't make sense to me, or I guess I didn't really get the light bulb going off until 2020. So it's 2020, January. Um, my husband, Jacob, has a second stroke. We just turned 30. Well, he had just turned 30 um, a month prior in December. I was in my first trimester of my second pregnancy. And in the midst of this stroke and working and being a mom, a wife, all the things. And all the things, right? Because, you know, mamas make the world go around. Like, right. there would be no planet Earth but we <laughs> continuing also without us. Right. And we also got to know when to just be. Listen, you know, I need to start taking my own advice because I give great advice to my other mama friends. But I, after 2020, literally had to learn how to go somewhere and sat down, like, go sit your butt down. <laughs> um, so in the midst of dealing with, um, which was soon after my husband's stroke, a miscarriage, mm -hmm. 
navigating maternal health care as a Black woman, seeking guidance and um, advice from my practitioner, who's an older Black woman. You know, I'm confiding in her and thinking that she's going to kind of assist me in everything. And we're navigating like enlarged thyroid. We find out, okay, hey, you've got fibroids. So we're talking all kind of hormonal changes with pregnancy, then a miscarriage, then, um, you know, just being kind of like the temporary leader of my home as my husband kind of recovers um, because I got to get up. I got to get everybody dressed into appointments and I got to call insurance and I got to get eaten a daycare and I still have to show up for work and my clients still want their content posted every day. So I spent so much time tearing myself apart. Mm. You know, I was literally walking on eggshells trying to please everybody else at the expense of my own sanity until the point where I literally just like, I I just, I broke and I don't even think like my mom or my husband, I'd even know, but One day I literally, as all of this is happening, I guess they'll find out when they hear the um, podcast episode, right? (laughs) Like I was in the kitchen breaking dishes. Like that's how serious it was. I just was like, I I can't do this anymore. And I literally asked God, like, why do you keep waking me up? Why do you keep making me open my eyes every morning? What more do you want from me? I'm literally like driving, screaming, snotting, hollering at God. Like... (laughs) you keep making me wake up every day and you keep putting this pressure on me, but you're not doing anything about it. Mm. And it's like, no, you ain't doing nothing about it. Cause you keep trying to be everything to everybody else. And you're pouring from an empty cup. Literally. I mean, uh, but that's your fault. Don't yell at God. <laughs> Cause he's still there. He's still sovereign. He is still, his word is still there waiting on you to crack it open physically not just scroll through the app because that's not feeding me you know what I'm saying like God is like I I've been here I just waiting on you to stop putting everything on your plate for what so then I had to do a lot of inner work and I had to literally go back and do like the childhood work of what does it do for me to add to my plate what is that like why am I doing (laughs) what does it do say that one more time like as I am 31 what does it do for me like what do I get what do I gain out of running myself thin at the expense of my own Mm. well-being And so the self-sabotage got even worse through spring and summer. I'm, you know, servicing a client that's literally not paying me, calling me all hours of the night. And I'm just letting it happen month after month after month after month after month. Now, at this point, I'm in my third pregnancy. Yes, we still talking about 2020. Right. Thankfully, God restored my body and I was able to conceive again. But here I am doing the same thing. So the self-sabotage is 
what makes me not feel worthy enough to be paid on time and to ask about the money? Why are you afraid of money? Why are you afraid to ask for what you worked for? Is it because you think that they're going to drop you as a client? Okay, well, if they do, good. So I literally had to do, again, doing that childhood inner work and go back to between today as a 30, 31-year-old woman and backtrack all the way to Wednesday, May 16th, 1990, where in between those two times have you been conditioned or trained Mm. to let people walk over you? And why are you doing this? Girl, when I say, I still still ain't done. (laughs) Because it's a journey, right? So like, let's take it a couple of steps back. What was, what, what was the moment or moments when you realized I need to do some work on me? Cause at first she was like, why is this happening to me? You know, mm-hmm. and, but I would call throwing the adult tantrum. Cause right. we, we both got small kids. So we see them. Yep. Yep. Oh, the tantrums, no worries. But, you know, having the adult tantrum, what was the moment where you like, wait, 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 wait. I need to change something. I think the moment was when my mother literally had to have this like raw, honest conversation with me about my scope of work, you know, with client, with business clients, not speaking up for myself, not taking up for myself, letting people walk all over me. They know I'm married. They know I have, you know, at the time, a three-year-old in the middle of the pan, in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, cause I've been open and honest with my clients about everything happening, the miscarriage, me taking care of um, my husband's appointments after the second stroke, like people, I'm not being silent about what's happening. I'm just telling them and they don't care. And then I'm letting them continue to walk over me. So my mother had this like really raw, explicit (laughs) conversation and that's when the light bulb went off that is like Walmart or Target is not you know saying here you can take these diapers and just pay us later so why am I taking you know, these necessities or these things, like I'm taking, I'm basically working and taking money out of my, my home's mouth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for what? At, what, at what cost? But for me, it was, okay, this client is well-known. This client works, you know, with the national treasury and the IRS and getting all these press, you know, press clips and media and blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, like nobody on, nobody on earth would even know I'm the person posting content for this, this, this client. And I'm okay with that because that's the nature of the work, you know, the behind the scenes, like you're the person pushing everything out, but he got Bentley keys hanging from his neck. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and I ain't paid invoice in months. Like, so wh- why am I doing that to myself? So have you so have you been able to answer that question or are you still on the journey of answering the question of why? I am not finished with the work of unpacking that. I know that it will definitely take months in therapy. Um, and I think with me being, I've, I, I always joke and say like I've been in survival mode, but there's truth to every joke. I've literally been in like, autopilot survival mode for the last six years mm-hmm. so got married October 2015 um my father dies a month later mm-hmm. so there you have that like you're a newlywed then you lose a parent and you lose a parent who you didn't have a great relationship with but you as the child or you as mm-hmm. you know the daughter um feel guilty for you know being angry but then it's not my responsibility to teach somebody how to parent so I'm carrying that Mm -hmm. in a brand new marriage get pregnant with Eden six months later you know what I'm saying so it's like I've been constantly in survival mode and I just don't even think I've given myself the time to rest the time to take a break and unpack all not even like the childhood trauma. We ain't even talked about that. And get that yet. We just come about. We need episode two, three, four, and five for that, you know? Like just doing the surface work. So I know that my responsibility, like urgent 911, top thing on my list. I need, I need to see a therapist. I know I do because I'm not done unpacking that. I I recognize the issue, but finding the root of like, what's going on? I haven't even identified. So girl, people wouldn't even know to have, when you say what's behind the smile. (laughs) I I am rooting for you, praying with you and for you. Thank you. Because first of all, being on the journey of healing is right. not easy, right? But it's so worth it. It's so worth it because Absolutely. you can pass that down to your children. Like, yeah. hey, I I'm passing you generational blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, my perspective is healed. Like, I see life as. I need to see life versus I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. And it's beauty in that, but getting through, like, and then going backwards, why is that? What is the root? And knowing that there um, will be challenging days ahead because you're now ripping band-aids off of old wounds. I'm just picking the scab over and over. (laughs) You're like, it gotta go. It gotta go, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But so glad um, to know that you are no longer accepting what you thought 
or maybe not even thought intentionally, but subconsciously, mm-hmm. I'm out here making it. Okay? Yeah. Am I really yeah. wrong? Like to to whose definition? Right. Yeah. Because even even in in working, um, you know, with these clients. So it was something you said earlier about working with 18 year olds um, that really struck me. And in hindsight, I realized something similar to what you said about we put so much pressure on high school seniors to figure out the rest of their life. What do Mm -hmm. you want to be when you grow up? Like that question, right? Mm -hmm. And what you want to major in? what college you want to go to and these decisions are so critical to the rest of your life Mm -hmm. or at least to the rest of the next five to ten years right of your life what if you go to school you have no idea of who you are your identity um you switch majors a couple of times you end up for six years now I have more debt than you anticipated now you can't find a job I mean it's so many it's so many scenarios to this Mm -hmm. piece Mm -hmm. but thinking about how can we truly help young people identify their strength and operate in their strength zone versus this is the template Mm -hmm. go there yeah I think we stop um asking kindergarten students what do they want to be when they grow up and we stop putting an emphasis on making lifelong decisions without the experience We're asking four, five, six-year-olds, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a doctor. So they say what they see. They say what we push in front of them. They say what costumes they see or, you know, what's glamorized in the media. And I only say that from working, you know, in, in the media as well, but I just wish that we spent more time honing in on the gifts that they, they were born with gifts already. Mm -hmm. So even you as a mother, you know, you recognize, you see in your children, like, okay, this is what you're good at. This is what you love to do, even at that young age. And so I think we, take the transition and stop, you know, glamorizing a key five careers, you know, lawyer, doctor, Mm -hmm. teacher, police officer, and whatever else. But we put emphasis on their gifts. So I'll use Eden as an example. She's really in tune Um, with other people's emotions and so when she was like one if she saw someone crying she would start crying Mm -hmm. Um, she'll be five in January and she's still very very emotional so for me I have to unlearn and relearn 
that I am the adult. It's my responsibility to regulate the emotions of the situation, to read the room, to, to assess and see what's happening so that I can redirect her instead of what we've been taught that children are just supposed to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, shut up. You're not depressed. Shut up. Go somewhere and sit down. You getting on my nerves. You act just like your daddy. What you, what you, am I, you ask me, do you got McDonald's money? It's just like, whoa. It's not helpful. It's not. So I realize, and now I, now this, you know, for disclaimer, I don't fault my mother at all. But what I do recognize is that in her own pursuit of, um, figuring it out as a single mother um she did the best that she could and so I'm taking my experiences Mm -hmm. of being raised by a woman who was young my mother had me at 30 my parents were married they got divorced because of domestic violence so it was just me and her you know for most of my life so she's raising me by herself she's a brand spanking new Christian, you know, like brand new to the word of God. So she's spending day in and day out in the church. She's thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do because I don't know. I don't want to go back to the streets. I can't have me and my little girl out here, you know, doing God knows what. So let me stay in the church. Baby, when I tell you every service on Sunday, then she became a Sunday school teacher. So we was at eight o'clock Sunday school, 9 a.m. service, 11 a.m. service. Don't let it be a four o'clock service at somebody else's church is visiting. Okay. Oh, Tuesday, I know. <laughs> Tuesday night Bible study, Thursday choir rehearsal, you know, and Saturday could be a community event service. Uh, <laughs> So while I am grateful and wouldn't change my upbringing in the church for anything, I recognized that all I knew was church. Mm-hmm. And so I brought that into my marriage. I brought that into my friendships. I brought that with me to college. And guess what? I was so heavenly minded. I was no earthly good. A high funky mess sitting there listing off everybody else's sins except for my own. Because I was just, that's you, know, what you know, that's what I knew. So there was the emphasis on, I say all of that to go back, to bring it back to, you know, the beginning of us talking about, there was no emphasis on my gifts. Mm. There's no reason why I shouldn't have went to college for musical theater, mm. for performing arts, for music. That's all I had been doing. I was singing in the church choir, doing all the plays in church. Then it got to the professional level where I was going, you know, taking classes for dance and musical theater and vocal performance and all these other things from high school. And I should have did it to college. I had no business. First of all, I had no business probably even leaving the state of Illinois to go to college. (laughs) Even though I had a scholarship, it just was not enough to cover Mm -hmm. everything. And so... You know, I use that experience and I use the experience of my counselors like, oh, yeah, you got a 3.8. Just apply to three colleges. And so now I look back and I get 
like man I get kind of pissed like I can't believe they did this to me you knew that my mother wasn't even making forty thousand dollars a year and you let me sign these promissory promissory mm-hmm. counseling notes that I would pay back the loans to these schools that are basically the exact same amount as my mother's salary my mama making less than 40 and they cost $33,000 a year times four for me to go to these three schools you told me to apply to why didn't you encourage me to go to community college stay here for two years and use a transfer scholarship to go somewhere else why didn't you talk to me about trade school why didn't you tell me about all the other things in the AmeriCorps? Like, do a year service. And like, I'm a AmeriCorps alum, but I didn't find out about it until after college. <laughs> so I, oh, yes. So I recognize, even in my frustration or, you know, sometimes my disdain, I recognize why God had me it was my AmeriCorps job that even got me into college access higher education working um with high school students helping them navigate yes the post-secondary story is a testimony (laughs) and almost like a cautionary tale like listen y'all don't want to do this don't do it I tell my students all the time you don't want to be 31 with 80 some thousand dollars worth of debt for undergrad and graduate school, which I didn't even finish my master's degree. Hello, another episode for another time, okay? I literally tell them, I'm like, you know, I could have had a house by now, but no. But I got debt. Debt. And what is that doing? Well, I I can't pass that on to my children. That's not an inheritance for my children. Hmm. Who, who, where do we yeah. go from here so yeah. you talked about um performing arts uh musical uh music musical theater yeah do you feel like that's uh part of your purpose in life or a gift like how do you define that in your life I I will say and I tell my students this all, all the time, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would definitely have gone, um, gone to college for the arts, mm-hmm. most definitely. I think now um, it's a lot easier for me to even make a shift or a career change because of the power of social media you know previously people had to wait for agents or you know people getting um people are on BET just off of Instagram videos I think of DeVal and Kadeem Mm -hmm. um the couple who used to just do straight Instagram videos and now this man is on BET you know as a character in one of Tyler Perry's um shows and so I recognize now that it's it's a lot easier now than it was, you know, um, but the competition is there too because it's so easy. So I do see myself all the time. I'm like, you could just totally do it. I encourage everybody else to do it and then I'm not doing it for myself, right? So what's the hindrance? 
I don't even have an excuse. <laughs> I really, really don't. I don't have an excuse. I don't know. I mean, we're back. I guess the world is back open. I don't know. America Just confuses me. Both they, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the the next step for me definitely would be to get back into um classes because I'm so rusty. I haven't picked up a microphone in goodness almost almost five years. So well, definitely would wanna, you know, get a class and just get back out there to see, you know, what castings are available and who's booking what. But I'm glad we had this conversation because then that's just like, okay, what are you waiting for? (laughs) What are you waiting for? And I mean, that's a question we should all be asking ourselves, no matter where we find our where we find ourselves in life is Mm -hmm. what are we waiting for? Or what are my um challenges? What are my struggles? What are my resources? Yeah. Because I may have everything I need. I just need to do it. Or maybe um, timing is an issue, right? right? So certain things may cause for a greater level of sacrifice. Do I have the capacity for that in this moment? Or do I need to plan to make that sacrifice? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think um, another thing that I say to myself often you know I ask myself like why not you Mm. why not why not look look at sister Issa okay so in college started um, out as the awkward black girl on on YouTube on YouTube the short series and here this woman is owning coffee shops and production and music streaming and I'm just like and for me that's the power of um not only focus but purpose yeah so this is I see it this is what I want to do this is who I am Mm -hmm. and let me focus in on that yeah and stay consistent with that um powerful Power- so okay so you know so when you see on facebook if you see me <laughs> looking for a, a acting coach just like it and keep moving <laughs> i will and i'll be like okay i see you um yeah. because we are ever evolving right? we, are. we are and it's okay to change yes. it is okay to change our mind yes i if i haven't learned anything else um through a lot of hard conversations with myself it's okay to change your mind reinvent yourself as many times as you need to despite what anybody may say or think like why are we concerned with what other people might think that is the question of the century. They don't it? have a heaven or hell to put you in. You don't need to be concerned with what nobody else <laughs> is thinking. Because it's your life to live. Absolutely. It is your life to live. So you, so how as a wife and a mom and a business owner and a, a staff member of um, 
an organization. Mm-hmm. How do you find time to fill your cup? Like you said in the beginning that you were running on E. Yeah. How do you find time and what does that look like for you? Uh, so within the last year and a half, um, what has given me fuel out of my own experience is um, really digging deeper into um, learning about Black maternal health care. And it's almost like a like a sweet escape for me, like a, a getaway, so to speak. You know, I kind of just dig deep into the most recent stories of moms. And I've even tried to be the mom friend that I wished um, or the support person that I wish that I had after both of my um, birthing experiences and after my miscarriage. So that has kind of like filled me up. And even as we talk about purpose, I often ask God, you know, in this last year and a half, like, how does this fit? Where does this newfound like love for checking in on moms and showing them that they can advocate for themselves? Um, where does that come from? What do you want me to do with it? Because I'm not going to add anything else to my plate. Right, right. <laughs> but maybe there are other things that I need to let go of or release so that I can, um, you know, see how this piece fits in my puzzle. Uh, I take time to, I definitely take time to um, keep up with like hair and nail appointments. Like don't ask me to change my appointment because I'm not, this is my time. (laughs) I don't want to be, I I don't, don't ask me for nothing. I don't ask for much now. I ain't budging on my appointments, (laughs) but um. I even find myself like staying up after everybody in the house is asleep and I will just like watch TV. I don't want to see no cartoons. (laughs) I don't want to see a toy. I don't want to play with nobody. (laughs) Just literally after my husband and my daughters go to sleep, I'm like, this is my time and I can do whatever I want with it. Good for you. (laughs) So, I mean, so much, so rich. When if um, another woman approaches you and say, "Hey, I want to start a business. What mm-hmm. are three things I should keep in mind?" What would you tell them? Anyone who wants to start a business, I want them to know that done is better than perfect Mm. I've just shared like some of the darkest times (laughs) about um, being an entrepreneur especially in the last two years and even in that I still have to remember done is better than perfect done is better than perfect like just do it whether it's a new idea whether you're afraid, whether you're scared, whether you feel like it's an oversaturated market and everybody else is doing it, just start. You got to start somewhere. Done is better than perfect would be number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, 
would be you cannot compare your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 20. Mm. I know that Instagram has us googly-eyed over everything that other people have materialistically. And I say we, I'm including myself because I'm human. I want luxury. I see nice things. I appreciate clean, nice, aesthetically pleasing looking things. But I have to recognize social media management in terms of like full on work. I've been working in it for a long time because I've always worked full time and um, had freelance projects or, you know, worked part time in entrepreneurship, but I never recognized um, that it was okay for me to be where I am and for someone else to be further along. And that doesn't make me less than. I don't have to beat myself up about that. You know, someone else is chapter 20. They could have been doing this for 10 years and you've only been doing it for 10 months. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Like it's your lane. Nothing is better than minding your own business in your own lane. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's it's your journey. (laughs) Yeah, for real, for real. And then the third thing would be that I kind of touched on this earlier, um, that it's okay to reinvent yourself. If you start out wanting to um, consult with nonprofits and then you decide, I don't want to do this. I want to sell ice cream I want to open an ice cream shop it's okay I think that our grandparents and our parents the generations before us um, and we go back to this like honing in on gifts versus putting emphasis on careers my grandfather didn't even graduate from eighth grade you know he was an electrician and a really successful electrician here in Chicago but what would life have been like if he was allowed to change his mind? Mm -hmm. You know, what would life be like if most of our parents and our grandparents, they either went to trade school or they got a skill or they went to college, you know, or they went straight into the workforce. They stayed on that job. They were loyal to that job for 30, 40 years until they either got a pension or, you know, they retired, got this special parking lot space their paperweight, the name plaque on the door, you know, and so their noses are turned up at millennials, our generation, when we say, peace out. Thank you. I gave it two years, like, and I'm off to my next company. Yes. Because I'm okay to grow and to try out a new idea or to be in a different environment because I refuse to feel like I'm settling in my life. Yep. We don't feel bad about it. And, you know, the 
the 50 plus club is just like what are y'all doing y'all change jobs like y'all change underwear and we're okay with like that's why we so peaceful we like bye deuces see you later because we want to make impact and make money like (laughs) yes very much so and there's nothing wrong with that so you know, so anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur, I say that, you know, it's okay to change. It's okay to change our mind. Just have fun. If you decide tomorrow you don't want to do it anymore, it's all right. Don't let anybody make you feel bad for changing yourself. As many times as you need to. Mm, that's a word. That is a word. And <laughs> it takes me back to um, last week I was in a professional development session and one of my takeaways was, you know, my ancestors did not have the privilege to sit and be mm-hmm. a part of conversations where they talking about what are your skills? What are your mm-hmm. gifts? What are your talents? Is no, you're an enslaved being and you do what I tell you to do or Mm -hmm. we are post-slavery and you don't have access to jobs that you want access to. So you got to go do what you got to do so your family can get fed. And now I am in a place and space where I can take the time to cultivate. Yes, my gifts and I'm not going to allow time to go by because of what I know my people fought for to get so yes evolve (laughs) walk in your purpose yeah we owe it to them and we owe it to ourselves too Mm -hmm. yeah we do This was such a wonderful conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You are a light in this world. And I wish you the best on your healing journey. It's nothing like changing from the inside out. Mm -hmm. It's nothing Mm -hmm. like that. And nobody can take that from you. Nobody. Such an intimate journey and thank you for allowing us to peek into your window and and hear um just a piece of your lived experience just from the year 2020 alone right which 2022 (laughs) I don't have like a word for what 2020 I think that you know therapy should be free for every living being just from 2020 alone oh yeah um even children you know I can't imagine what it was like for Eden as we like snatched her out of daycare in March and she's like what do you mean I can't go see my friends what do you mean we can't go outside what do you mean I can't go yeah (laughs) yeah I think um we all need a couple therapy sessions from from the last year and a half two years you might as well just say two years now yeah yeah 
Definitely. But how um, can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, that's a great question, especially since we're talking about social media. I can be found on social um, for Instagram, Kalila Renee. So K-H-A-L-L-I-L-A-H. That's a mouthful. Renee, R-E-N-E-E, Kalila Renee. Um, People can find the social loft on Instagram and um, www.thesocialloft.co, not.com, just .co. <laughs> Got it. So whew, if y'all don't have y'all journal out, just you know, <laughs> listen to it again and like, share, subscribe to this podcast. Email me at hello at behindtheconfidencemail.com. Let me know what you're thinking about this, how you are growing, yes. how you're evolving. Even if you feel stuck, just even acknowledging like, I feel stuck and mm-hmm. I need to do something about that. The time is now. The yeah, time is now. I'm, I'm even, you know, I'm open to people asking more questions finding me on social media, Kalila Watkins, um, you know, Facebook. I'm, I'm an open book, as you all can see. So whatever you ask, I'm willing to answer. And she for real about that, y'all. So. I am. <laughs> I am, for sure. Uh, but again, thank you. Such a pleasure. And yes, continue to love on you. The I need to do it more often. Yes. I don't do it enough. The most important person in your life, right? You. And from you, everything else flows. So, all right. You got your homework too, okay? (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you all. Until next time, take care of yourselves, love on others, and walk in love and healing. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Confidence Mountain Podcast with your host, Bianca Cotton. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. Let's grow our community, you all. Until next time on the podcast, remember. We all have a story and a journey of what is behind.